0: If you're visiting with us this morning, we always want to welcome you, but, uh, you know, it's probably not the best Sunday to visit with us because, I'm kidding, Um, um, we never, I I, I do want to say this seriously to those who are visiting, we have a few, uh, we never talk about money. Uh, This is the first time in 30 years as a pastor that I've ever had a series on giving, and our series is called Give as a Four-Letter Word, and and so I, I just want to kind of, preface my remarks with that we started this series last week and uh and you know it, i'm trying to trying to really just show show you all what the bible teaches because gosh you know as much as the church big c talks about money um they they don't talk about what the bible says about money and there's a huge difference and um, you know it's always a little awkward for me because the you know the point is do you need to be challenged to give more yeah you do uh, I should do that i don 't do that much. Um, should you be told and taught and and, and 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 you know from my position that that giving is is very important yeah you, you do uh, is, is there will you be blessed should, should i do more you 'll be blessed when you give yeah, you will be. And, and the Bible does teach that, so all these things go into this, and that 's part of the reason we 're doing the series, but the biggest reason is I just want you to show, I just want to show you what the Bible teaches now. There are other issues, of course, uh, Renaissance has a certain culture, and in some cases we have to we have to break that culture of the, the culture being you know well we 'll just come and enjoy church, we want you to enjoy church, but you know. Somewhere, somehow, some way, people got to pay for this, you know. And as as the church continues to to grow and and you know things begin, you know begin to happen, there's always that issue too. So all that stuff is true. However, I want to put that one big blanket over all that and just say this: at the same time, we don't want one person to give one penny out of obligation, out of guilt, out of thinking, well, I'm going to do this and, and it's, I'm going to go to heaven. Um, you know, that's not, that's, not, that's not the point at all. And, and so we always want to be really careful about that. And I want to preface my remarks um, in this series with that. And each week we're going to talk about a little different, a little different avenue of giving and, 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 you know, what's behind that. Just like today, we're talking about contentedness. What does that have to do with giving? Well, I'm going to show you that. You know, stay tuned for all that. But I wanted to say all that because there are some things. You count, you know, and and that's the issue. Whenever you get into uh, a church like ours and you you think there's always somebody wealthier than you, you think mine's not going to count, it all counts. And really the issue has, and we're going to talk more about this next week, it it really comes down to the fact of of just... you know, this isn't a charity. I mean, it's tax deductible and so forth. This is a church, and, and you're investing in, in, in you. You're investing in your family. You're investing in something that's, that's going to reap benefits for you for years and years to come. In a church like ours... See, what happens in a lot of these bigger, older... Not bigger, older churches, um, is they have these endowments. You know, they've been around forever, and people die, and they leave their inheritance or part of their inheritance to the church. Well, none of you people have died yet, you know? <laughs> and we don't want you to, Okay? Um, but that's how, that's how when you're a church of seven, eight years, like we are, um, it's just a lot different in that regard. And that's, and that's for a whole bunch of other reasons. We don't want money to be a big issue, so we don't talk about it a lot. But we do need to understand what the Bible does teach about it. And that's my goal here, okay? Last week, for example, and you can get this on the Internet, um, I talked about who you trust. Because really, one of the points that I made was it's hard to give when you're fearful that you might run out. And so a lot of folks may not give what they should give because they're afraid they're, afraid they're going to run out. And the issue there is, well, who are you trusting? Trusting your, your portfolio or, or what's left of it? Or are you trusting your, your company? Um, if, you're, if you're trusting anything other than God, you're in deep sticks, okay? You're in deep weeds if you're trusting anything other than God. And if you haven't learned that lesson in the last few months, you need to you know, review the news, uh, because that's, that's really one of the big takeaways from what, we, what we've been through here and are going through. So that was, well, who are you going to trust? We talked about that. Now, today, I'm going to take you to a different place. And, and, you know, the whole thing of giving in the church, and, and a, a quick story, and this is true, this just happened in the last few weeks we, we, you know, the whole thing has been poisoned so much because I, I, I have an old friend here, old friend I've known here. He's one of the first guys I met here when I came six and a half years ago and been part of the church and, uh, old friend. Okay. He introduces, he brings a new guy, I don't know, a couple, around the first of the year. And I get to know him a little bit. He's my new friend. That's what it's called. Old friend, new friend. So my new friend. So, and we get, we run into each other here and a few other places and social settings and so forth. And, and, um, and, and so I say, well, let's get together sometime and have breakfast or something. I knew he couldn't do lunch because he's always in the city. And he said, that'd be great. So we're, we, we scheduled this appointment to have breakfast. So he calls my old friend, who he knows, and says, well, I'm having breakfast with Rich next week. Um, how much is he going to hit me up for? And my old friend said, what? He said, how much is he going to ask? He's I mean, that's you no know way pastors go to lunch and breakfast with people to ask people for money. And my old friend said, you are really crazy. He said, Rich isn't going to ask you for anything. He must get to know you a little bit better. Um, So that all came out when all three of us were together this last week, and we were just laughing about it. And I said, what the heck are you thinking? I'm going to meet you for breakfast the first time I have breakfast with you and say, hey, give money to the church. Come on, how much are you going to write? I said, is that what you're thinking? And he said, you know what? He said, I was. He said, where I came from, he said, I have a Catholic background, I'm not picking on the Catholics, a lot of other churches do it too, but he had a Catholic background, he said, and my dad always said, priests priest would come call every every few months and say, I want to come over for dinner, which, I'm pretty brazen, but I haven't done that yet, I haven't called anybody, I'm saying, hey, I want to come over for dinner, I'm not saying I won't, okay, but I, I, haven't, I haven't done that yet, and that's probably because I have a wife, and uh, who has a whole lot more sense than I do, but anyway. He said the priest would call up, I'm coming over for dinner, and Dad would always say when the priest comes, he wants our wine, he wants our spaghetti, and he wants a check. And I, I, we just laughed about it, you know, and I said, I'll go for the wine and the spaghetti, you know, and you have to write a check if you don't want to, I, you know, it's between you and God. Anyway, that story typifies what happens with this stuff so many times. So what we really need to do, and I hope you'll pray about it. If this, if this is your church, it, I hope you'll pray. I hope you'll think about what involvement you should have in, in the coming days and months and years. And, and I hope you'll talk, have some good talks with your, with your your husband or wife or or, or whomever you talk with about that. I, I I hope we can stimulate some of that. You know, have a stimulus package here to help things going in that direction. A little quick there. They went right over some of your head. <laughs> um, anyway, I hope it will be a, a stimulus for that. I do. But I just want to show you today just some other things in the Bible, what it teaches about this whole thing of giving, and it has to do with being content. You say, what What does that have to do with giving? Stay tuned. Here we go. I want to take you to a passage in the Bible that has one of the most famous verses, and if you don't know anything about the Bible, you've heard either versions or perversions of this verse. Okay, So you're, you're, you're going to recognize it when we get there. Here's what I want you to think about before we read this. Being content with or without, being content with or without, it is only possible through the power of God, through a relationship with Christ. It is only possible through the power of God, through a relationship with God. This is a remarkable passage. Philippians chapter four. Let's just get into it. Chapter four, verse eleven. Not that I was ever in need. He's thanking them for a gift. Paul is thanking them, the apostles thanking the Philippian church for a gift that he had they had given him in terms of money. Not, you'll see that here. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Wow. I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Are you ready for this now? Next verse is one of the most famous. I will tell you where the last time, if you we got any football, college football fans, I must watch the national championship game. All right, and and you saw Tim Tebow, the quarterback for the national champion Florida Gators. We have a bunch of Gator people here. Um, and he had under his eyes his eye patches. He had four thirteen. Did I see that? Four thirteen. In fact, one of our one of our folks texted me, "What's 413? I said, "It's a Bible verse, you idiot. Look it up." Anyway, that's what happens when you have a smart like for a pastor. But um. And he was in the last service too. But anyway, um, this is the the verse right here that he had. That he had four thirteen on his iPad. Do you guys know? I'm I'm getting a blank look. Do y'all? Everybody know know what I'm talking about here? Okay, okay, good. You're like, what are you talking about? Um, Here it is, four thirteen. For I can do everything through Christ. Now keep in mind, I got whether whatever I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now this is in the middle of a passage in the Bible. That has to do with getting along with a lot or getting along with a little. The remarkable thing about this verse to me is, and I'm fine with with Tim Tebow putting it on his on his eye. I'm fine with Evander Holyfield used to be the heavyweight champion. He put it on his robe. Philippians four thirteen. Then you go out and just pound somebody. And do everything through Christ. Boom. You know. I um, always thought that was kind of kind of interesting. You know, kind of a nice little thing. But anyway, um, I'm fine with that application. I'm not being critical of that at all. But but what's what's amazing to me is this verse. This verse, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me, is in the middle of a passage. The context on how to be content with a little or a lot. You think you have a problem being content? We've all had issues with that. Come on, let's be honest. Here's the Apostle Paul, circa sixty-five A.D. in. And, and with now modern Greece and just in, 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 in this area, that he's just saying, hey, I've learned this secret. It was an issue here. That's not an American problem. That's not something that came with capitalism. That's something that mankind has had a problem with for generations, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And here's this remarkable verse, <clears throat> excuse me, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. And he's talking directly about being content with a lot of money or with a little money. Pretty amazing to me. When you take the context of that, you can read the rest of this passage. Even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news. He, traveled, he started a church there in Philippi, uh, traveling, tra- traveling from Macedonia. No other church did this, even when I was in Thessalonica. Uh, Thessalonica, either way, people pronounce it both ways. You sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. He's thanking them for their financial gift of helping him as he was starting some churches and so forth. It's just, it's just pretty amazing. And here's the issue. I'll say it again. Being content with or without is only possible through the power of Christ in a relationship with God. And some of us are really being challenged with that in these days, aren't we? Having to really deal with that. Now, okay, you say, I got that, Rich, but let me ask you this what, what does contentment have to do with giving? You're talking about giving in this past in this in this series. Here's what here's here's the key right here. One of the greatest hindrances to giving is being discontent. One of the greatest hindrances to giving is being discontent. You ever been around you ever been around a discontent person? They're not giving people. They suck the life out of everybody in the room. I mean, they just—they are high maintenance. They're like, oh my, you know, they just—it's all about me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me attention. Give me emotional support. Give me money. Give me whatever it is. You know, that's that whole thing. Discontent people aren't giving people, and the Bible wants first giving people. That's what it's talking about—not just your pocketbook, but your whole person, your whole life. You know, that's that's the whole thing. People who are discontent don't usually give. they just they just take now listen i'm not being judgmental because we all have had a few visits to discontentville haven't we we've all had a few visits there some of us had some some of us had some long stays there you know some of you are still there some of you are you know moved in get out of that place but it's only through the power of christ and a relationship with god that's going to keep you at a level of contentment that is separate from material, finances, circumstances, whatever it happens to be. Let me show you another, uh, one sentence, one sentence a heck of a sentence, but one sentence long quote from a guy named Jeremy Bentham this is really heavy, this is the people in the middle service, last service, there were a couple of people who didn't get this. I could look at their faces and I could tell, but they're not as smart as you are, so you're going to get this, okay? Don't tell them I said that, okay? Now, um, this is heavy. Jeremy Bentham is his name, and he lived in the 17, late 1700s, early, early 1800s. He he did a lot of things. He's very, if you he'd, he'd philosopher, and you can you can Google him and you can read all kinds of things about him. He very very much ahead of his time. Late seventeen hundreds, he's saying, you know, he said he was saying something some some ridiculous thing like women are equal to men. Late seventeen hundreds, I mean, people were looking at him like, what? What planet did you come from? He was saying things like slavery is wrong and black men and white men are equal, and they were like, what? I mean, even before Wilberforce. He even started, even before Wilberforce, who who basically was the guy that emancipated, uh, uh, abolished slavery in England. Um, Even before that, he started the first, uh, um, made people aware of cruelty to animals. He was the first guy to really do that. This guy was really, there's a lot of other things I don't agree with, but I mean, he really was very progressive and a a great thinker and really had some good things. He was a very wealthy guy. Came from from money, old money, you know, the whole thing. And he said this, because he knew what he was talking about. He was talking about wealth. Okay, now come on, stay with me on this one, all right? This is heavy, but you've got to stay with me. Here we go. The effect of wealth in the production of happiness goes on diminishing as the quantity by which the wealth of one man exceeds that of another goes on increasing. In other words, the quantity of happiness produced by a particle of wealth each particle being of the same magnitude will be less and less at every particle. The second will produce less than the first, the third than the second, and so on. Do you get that? The more I get, the more stuff I, the harder it's going to be to, to make me content with this. I don't want two more, I want three more. And how many times in life have you seen that? Well, this didn't work, maybe I'll get two. Well, that didn't work, maybe I can get Four. See, and that's that's part of the problem here, when you start talking about letting those kinds of, whether it be things, whether it be money, whether you know, some people are just looking at their, at their, portfolio online or something, used to be at least, um, just looking at it on, and just you know, just taking great. I know I know some guys who would tell me I just like looking at it and watching it grow. That was back in the old days, but I mean, and, and I'm sure some people are still doing that, but I mean, for, they would just take great. You know, I'm great Great happiness in that. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, a growing portfolio. There's nothing wrong with having money. The problem comes when we, well, I'm going to show you that in just a second. Hang on to that thought. Um, Let me show you something else. One of the greatest hindrances to giving is being discontent. Jesus said this. Let me just show you this. Matthew 19. To tell you the truth, He's talking to his disciples. I tell you the truth. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying? Then? He's saying a rich man can't go to heaven. He's not saying that. He said it's very hard. Now, by the way, the next verse says, but what's, what's impossible with man is possible with God. He said with God, all things are possible. Here's what's happening here. He's just saying when a man or a woman trust in their riches it's very hard for them to trust Christ. Let me, show you, let me show you something. You say, what do you mean by that? C.S. Lewis had the best commentary on this verse that I've, that I've seen in Mere Christianity. Here's what he said. One of the dangers of having a lot of money is that you may be quite satisfied with the kinds of happiness money can give and so fail to realize your need for God. If everything seems to come simply by signing checks, you may forget that you are at every moment totally dependent upon God. I just throw money at it. If you got a lot of I just throw money at it. I got a whole heart. I'm gonna throw money at that. I'm not feeling, I'm gonna throw money at that. And you and, and you know you say, well it doesn't no, it doesn't work, but you, you keep trying. if you've got enough money, you keep throwing that at it. And and you know, maybe maybe then you're gonna run out of stuff to buy, maybe not. The point being that's not gonna work. We know that. You know that. Those of us who've tried it with whatever know that. And and what, what Jesus is saying, you know, it's 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 only possible, really, to come to God by trusting Him. And that's, a, that's, that, that's only God. Only God can do that. You've got to be content with whatever you have. But that's a God thing, and you can't, you can't miss that point. You know? Being content with or without is only possible through the power of Christ. You know, one of the great blessings available to mankind I mean, this. And I, 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 I don't want to say this enough. One of the great blessings available to mankind is the ability to live with contentment separated from materialism, separated from circumstances, separated from my house isn't big enough, separated from my, I need a new car, separated from anything else. That blessing that only comes through a relationship with God through Christ. One more passage, all right? uh, just wrap this up. I want to show you one more thing. And... Um, well, let me show you. Uh, the Apostle Paul, again, talking to Timothy, a young pastor, probably about 30, right? I always related to this book a lot as a, when I was a 30-year-old pastor. Um, and I still do in my mind. Anyway, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, some really good advice he's giving Timothy. It's in the Bible. He says, yet true religion with contentment is great wealth. After all, we didn't bring anything with us when we came into the world, and we certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die." So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people, watch, 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 watch. People who long to be rich. Let's read that again. People who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish, harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. People who long to be rich. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy what happens, the problem is when we start selling out. And that's what he's talking about here. People who long to be rich fall into temptation. Ponzi schemes. All kinds of issues. and Deals. And, and here's the thing about this. You know, and this is one of the great mysteries of life. I mean, it really is. I, I've been fortunate in my life to be able to live. I've, I've been able to walk with some of the poorest, poorest of the poor. And I've been able to to, to have uh, to be friends with some of the richest of the rich. And one one, of the, one guy that I know, and um, <laughs> the the ones that I know that are that are really wealthy, and some of them are here. Um, they just you know they just set out to do something. They set out. They had an interest in a particular field. And they, they, they you know they got a good education or whatever, and and, and just really sought out to, to to contribute in that field. And because that field happened to pay great dividends, they got rich in the process. Somebody else could have had the same desire as a teacher, and and you know they're going to make at the max eighty or ninety or you know hundred thousand a year max um, because they're a teacher. You know, you say, well, that's just that's just how it is. Okay, so one they both set, setting out with the same desires. Not the the, the wealthy guy not to get rich, just just want to contribute. I want to be a person of value in society. I have a friend. He, he does very 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 well. Supports a lot of ministries. You know, what he does. You know, you know. I, first, I first got to know him. I said, "So, what's your business?" I mean, this guy's got a lot of money, and, uh, and in fact, they still they come visit us every every so often. They, they were had a second home, or a third home actually in Vale, and then they they will come to New York still once or twice a year, and they always take a train out, come here and go to church just to see us and we'll have dinner. They're just good friends. Anyway, first time I got, to know him, I said, I, I, "This just shocked me." The first time I got to know him, found what he did. You know, what he does he makes nuts and bolts. That's all he does he makes nuts and bolts. You say, that's all he does. I remember the first time I said, you make nuts and bolts. Yeah, that's all my company does, nuts and bolts. I'm like, this guy's freaking wealthy, making nuts and bolts. Just one, saw a need. Saw, I'm, just something I can do. Started a manufacturing company, you know. Just didn't, didn't seek to be rich. Just said, here's a, here's, here's a need. Here's something I can do that, that people need, nuts and bolts. Boom. Point is this, it's kind, of, it's, kind of, it's kind of a funny story for me, it's just interesting uh, what people do and how they just, oft, most times that I'm aware of, just have a desire, here's something I can do. And then it might be in one of those fields where they just get wealthy. So, nothing wrong with it, it's when you long for it and then you start doing things to compromise and you start taking advantage of people, then you start fudging on the truth and then you start taking this to put over here and then you come up with all kinds of stuff. Next verse, you've got to get this verse. For the love of money. The love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. There it is. We've seen that, haven't we? Some people craving money have wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. You know that guy, don't you? I do. I know several that have longed, just had a great love for money to the point of destroying their home, to the point of destroying... People around them, just because they love money, so that's what all the Bible is telling us here. Not that it's wrong to have it, but when we start getting our priorities all whopper job and our contentedness is dependent upon it, then we're in trouble. I got one, one last thing, very quickly, and then a prayer that I'm going to show you. Listen, you can be content. you can be wonderfully content with whatever you have however little, however much. But it's a God thing. It is only through a relationship with your God through Christ that that can happen. And that doesn't mean it's not challenging at times. I'm not going to say that. Even the Apostle Paul apparently struggled with it. 65 AD. Let me show you this. This is, gosh, this is wonderful. This is, this is Socrates. I love Socrates. But this is so good. Um, he who is not contented with what he has... Would not be contented with what he would like to have. Just think about that for a moment. That is just, <laughs> he who is not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. Even Socrates dealt with this age old problem. I got a prayer for you. I pray this prayer a lot, actually. It's from Proverbs. And we'll just close with this prayer. It's just really a neat prayer. And it's, it's from Proverbs. And I, well, let's just read it Proverbs 30. Here's my prayer. First, help me never to tell a lie. He's talking to God. That's a good prayer right there. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. That's different for different people. Okay? Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. You know, it's kind of like the old, that old kid story, the three bears. Just enough. Just right. Don't give me too much. I don't want to get arrogant. Whatever that is, it's different for different people. Don't give me too little. Or I may may be like Jean Valjean and steal bread and give it to my kids. Les Miserables. Give me just enough, God. That's my prayer. And you, you know what that is. God knows what that is. You can never be content with whatever you have or don't have without a relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are, I'm I'm humbled and I'm grateful, God, that you care about the fact that that we live or that I should live with, with a level of content. And you make that available to me not through just not dependent upon circumstances or money or whatever else but but because of a relationship with my creator with you help each one of us to think through this help help us god to pray about what we do and what we should give and how we can help but god even above that help us to remember that our contentment comes from a relationship with with the one who made us our God and our Creator. Make us content people, not the the whiny takers of the world, even though we've all been there a few times. God, make us people who who are giving people, who are content with what we have. Give us an ambition and a drive to work hard, to do our best, to do our work as unto you, but give us contentment in the process as well. We thank you for that. And we thank you for the love of Christ in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.